Welcome back to Spiritual Directors Talking About Stuff. Today, Maggie and I had a discussion with a friend of mine named Todd Vick, and I met Todd on Facebook a few years ago um, in, in one of the Facebook groups that I was a part of, uh, Messy Conversations, who was started by Jason Elam, who we also had on the podcast. So, so all a few times. Kind of, you know, <laughs> connect together. That's right. Um, so, you know, lots of connections in that group. And, and so uh, we were really glad to have Todd come on the podcast today because he has a new book out, which we get to talking about today. And uh, it's called The Reconstructing of Your Mind. So what I think I really appreciate about Todd's viewpoint on this is that it's not like deconstruction starts and then goes to a, a final ending point and then you're finished with that and then you start reconstruction and go on to a certain ending point but mm -hmm. rather that this is like a cycle that happens on, on a continual basis deconstruction and reconstruction kind of maybe even happen simultaneously in a lot of ways mm -hmm. but it's uh he used the word evolution the spiritual evolution um which is you know a cyclical thing it's it's a um it's a process that is always happening what do you think about that, Maggie? Yeah, I love that word as well. And just the idea of of nature kind of trying out something. And if it works, then you go on with it. And if it doesn't work, nat nature starts back over, you know, or, you know, just even thinking about what evolution is. And uh, so I appreciate that very much. And, and also, uh, Christopher, you and I were talking about in the winter, we see the trees and the flowers lose their leaves and they they look dead, you know, um, and some of them may die. I don't know. Um, I'm not a nature person. But and then in the spring and the summer, they start to uh, change shape and they blossom. Um, some blossom and they're beautiful and we want to cut them and put them on our you know kitchen tables and others when they blossom. They look kind of scary and they look thorny and they don't look very pretty. But mm -hmm. then there is, you know, the seasons happen again and then those will go to sleep and then reemerge in the spring as something new and beautiful and or ugly and thorny. Who knows? But I just think that is that the uh, the nature of life. What is your takeaway from our discussion today? Uh, I really like that he saw that there's, you know, at least five, he didn't say that there's exactly five, but there's at least five different places that people deconstruct under, you know, the Christian faith. And, um, and one of them I've actually had a lot of shame around. Um, and I just thought it was part of deconstruction, which is why, oh, you know, I feel like this is the reason I'm afraid to talk about deconstruction in a more public, I know this is pretty public cause it's a podcast, but you know, just uh, more publicly in my own circles and um, you know, and that's the one place I'm afraid to be found out is my specifically my biblical deconstruction. And uh, um, I, uh, you know, feel a way about the Bible and it's not the most uh, celebrated way in the Christian circles. And um but that's still part of the evolving journey is to uh, to know that it's possible that another view, another perspective of this book that has seemed so, you know, traditionally so important to the faith of Christianity that um, that maybe one day I'll have a new perspective on it. But that's mm -hmm. not for me to decide. I don't have to be there right now, but it is it kind of helps me. Uh, feel less shameful 
that I feel a way about the Bible. Um, and I'm working through it and that's fine. I may never feel a different way about it ever again, but I also, uh, you know, I might, I might feel this way. I might, it might change in the future. I don't know. Uh, but that's part of the, the seasons potentially. Uh, although I will say there's a lot of days I feel like, you know, my, how I feel about the Bible is kind of in a permanent winter, kind of like the permafrost of Alaska. It's just always going to be ice cold, but, (laughs) but you know, that's not up for me to decide if it's ever going to thaw and spring forth in all the, you know, flowery language that I could possibly put on this metaphor, unless I've just, you know, killed it, (laughs) beat it to death. So I, I had a troubled relationship with the Bible for almost all my life. I mean, it's mm. just never been, it's never been my favorite book, even before I started deconstructing. And, you know, when I was in my really good church boy days, anyway, um, we had a great conversation with Todd and I, and I was really glad that, that um, he could come on mm-hmm. to talk to us. And we really hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. friend Todd Vick with us. Todd is an award-winning writer and best-selling author of The Renewing of Your Mind. He is also the host of the Reconstruction Rebel podcast and has a site on Pathios. His current book, The Reconstructing of Your Mind, is available now wherever books are sold. For 33 years, he ministered in the Southern Baptist denomination. He left evangelicalism for good in 2016. He resides now in South Carolina with his wife, Laura. They have four children and three grandchildren. Thanks for coming on the podcast with us, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. Um, uh, Todd and I met um, on Facebook, I guess, three or four years ago, uh, probably through the Messy Conversations Facebook group, which is where I meet a lot of people (laughs) these days. Um, It was, we have a lot of was, great conversations because of yeah. that that group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We've had a lot of great people on. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we could uh, find this time to get together with you, Todd. Um, the, the way we want to start, uh, which way we start with most of our guests is, um, would you please tell us a little bit about your history with the church and your, your faith background and kind of how you uh, ended up where you are today? Sure. Um, I can go back as far as you want, but uh, I'll just start in high school when it really got serious. <clears throat> uh, it was about 1983 when I became um, a Christian uh, for real. Um, I had always been, my family was Lutheran. And so growing up, I would ask questions about, why don't we ever go to church? You know, what is God all about? And the answer was, well, we're Lutherans. So I was like, okay, we're Lutherans. So finally, I decided to look for myself and see what's really going on. Found a, a, a Baptist church that a friend of mine invited me to and got involved there. Started teaching Sunday school and doing all kinds of other things. Um, it was it was fun for a while. Um, got married in that church, had my first child in that church, and then uh, felt a, a calling into the uh, full-time ministry around 2005. I, no, 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 90, 1995. 
Um, and so I began to pursue that, at, pursued my studies at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, the conservative evangelical hub of the world, I believe. Um, that's how I was trained. Uh, the president of the seminary at that time, uh, I won't mention his name, but um, he was interviewed because he'd made a comment or something about women, and he had a real problem with women preachers and things like that. And a reporter asked him, what do you think about women? And he said, well, everybody should own at least one. And that was just kind of the, the end for me. Oh, you know, that was just, no, he apologized. But, uh, you know, I've heard Al Mohler as well. He He's uh, very educated, very serious, uh, but very unempathetic to uh, what people are really going through. He sits and, you know, does what he does. But... Um, so I, after that, I pastored a church. I was actually involved in ministry back in 1988. I did prison ministry and music ministry. And then I got, uh, went into full-time ministry. Uh, once I graduated, I began to pastor. And I pastored for about 20 of the 33 years that I was ministering. And um, all through the ministry, I just felt like I didn't belong there. I felt like a square peg in a round hole because I, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that I was preaching. Uh, and part of the, part of it was, you know, I don't know how it is now for pastors, but when I was starting out, you got a, like a salary and benefits and all of that stuff. And so you really had to be careful what you said because it could cost you your job. It could cost you your livelihood. And so I tiptoed around some, you know, what I thought. And, um, after a while I got involved in the charismatic movement, um, neo-Pentecostal third wave, whatever you want to call that with, uh, John Wimber and, uh, some of those guys, um, and did that for a couple of years. And then I just realized there's, there's more legalism there than there was in the Baptist church. So I went back to the Baptist church and pastored again. And then, uh, in 2016, I had just come to the place where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, the church could tell that I, my heart wasn't in it. My, I just didn't want to be around people. Uh, I had had a mental breakdown in January of 2016, uh, spent three days in the hospital and then um, two months of uh, outpatient therapy um, to deal with depression. And a, a lot of the depression came from the ministry expectations that I was trying to live up to for so many years and could not live up to it. Um, I tried to be like other people, like Charles Stanley or somebody like that, uh, studied them, listened to their sermons tried to come back with my version of their sermon or whatever. And it, it, it was just got to the point where I didn't know how to be myself. I, I didn't trust myself to be myself. And it was, um, it, you know, it was just all the training that I had received, all the criticism that I'd received through the years uh, for preaching grace and for saying that people don't necessarily have to be baptized if they want to join the church, uh, which is a big no-no in, in the Baptist world. Uh, it almost cost me my ordination when I, you know, came up with that, but so it, yeah, it just, I just burned out, um, couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped in about 2016, uh, started writing. Um, really I started researching because I was just, I was done with all of it. I was done with God. I was done with church. I was done with Christianity, faith. Uh, and then after a little bit, I began to realize, you know, there's, there's a need for faith in my life. I have to, you know, it's just, part, it's just who I am and I have to express my faith somehow. Um, and I don't know what I believe in or how to express it. So I started looking at other religions and I got connected with this uh, Hindu, uh, Swami Jay, we call him, and um, talked to him a, at great length. He sh shared with me a lot of things about uh, 
you know, being Hindu and, and I just really liked it. And I said, you know, man, I would really love to join your, your you know, however you do it, <laughs> join your church or join your group. But um, he said, no, uh, you, you don't need to become a Hindu. Christianity is where your heart belongs. Um, and I felt kind of rejected at first. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to go back there. But then I realized, you know, deconstructing has helped me to really appreciate where I came from and the, the lessons that I learned. I don't, I'm not that guy anymore, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I used to be a, a fiery brimstone. Uh, I was just one of those guys that used the Bible as a weapon. And um, a couple came to me one time, wanted to be married, and they were living together. So I told them I couldn't marry them as long as they were living together, things like that. And I wish I could go back and say, guys, I'm sorry. I, I take that back. I'll marry you. Of course I'll marry you. But uh, yeah, it's just stuff like that. And then uh, once I left ministry, I started working on, uh, once I left the re started researching and, and re decided to come back to the Christian faith, um, I started writing. Uh, and that's, uh, it took about three years. I came up with the, the book, The Renewing of Your Mind. That was just three years of research and intense soul searching and uh listening to other people and reading what other people have written. And I got to know some people like Christopher and uh, Jason Elam, of course, uh, Carl Forehand and Keith Giles was the first guy that I ever really contacted about progressive faith. Um, and he's, he's just been a godsend to me. He wrote the forward for my second book and uh, has just been a great friend. Um, but, uh, and so kind of, you know, that's where I am today. I've, um, I've settled into uh, being Todd the writer and I'm working on a third book right now while I'm also working full time and going to school at night, uh, trying to get my master's in, in biblical counseling from Luther Rice. Uh, I actually started that degree 20 years ago, well, actually 22 years ago. Uh, and I decided if I'm going to finish my master's, I'm going to finish it where I started because I already had all the credits and everything. Um, so that's what I'm doing. And then after, after I finish the master's, I'm going to study uh, doctor of theology with Thomas J. Ord at uh, his seminary. I'm oh. looking forward to that. That's great. That's yeah, going to be a trip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we are. We love. We love Tom very much. So too, that's. Uh, yeah, I'm jealous. He has. He has changed <laughs> my life. Really. Yeah. His books. Yeah, uh, his books have really changed my life a lot. Really given me some things to think about mm -hmm. and rethink about. And yeah. Have helped me to settle on some some beliefs that I can be comfortable with. Mm. Uh, and he's just a yeah, great guy. Yeah. His love him. I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every everybody that you've mentioned, uh, we've had on the podcast except for Keith Giles. We have not had him yet, but uh, so maybe he's been on everybody else's. Reach. So you might as well have. Him. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know. He does. He does make the rounds. Was there a particular um, doctrine or belief that you were preaching that that originally, yeah, at first, you started thinking that you didn't believe? Like, what was the first domino to fall, so to speak? Um, eternal conscious torment is where things really started to, to unravel for me. Um, okay. And you know how people question, how can a God of love send people to a place of eternal conscious torment? It's just, it doesn't add up. It's, it does not compute. Uh, and so I began to work on that one. And then, of course, penal substitutionary atonement. Um, Jesus, you know, dying on the cross, being abandoned by God on the cross, and uh, being a propitiation for, for our sin. Um you know, I'd rather see the cross now as, as the greatest act of love ever demonstrated in all of human history. Um, you know, Jesus did that gladly, did that willingly, um, just to show what it, what it 
you know, how much he loves us, how much, how, how to love somebody mm-hmm. to lay down your life for them. Not always, mm-hmm. I don't think we need to do that always literally, but just kind of put others needs above our own. It's a good way to live life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where they began to lose me. Uh, PSA and um, <laughs> people going to hell. And uh, I just couldn't, I don't even believe in hell anymore, to be honest. I just, um, mm-hmm. it just, mm-hmm. uh, I've kind of gone back over everything I've ever learned and, like no i just don't see it anymore it's it's just not there mm-hmm. and um of course keith has put out some really good books on these the subjects that have helped me a lot too and having him on my podcast is i always learn something no matter what <laughs> he always teaches mm-hmm. something he's a good guy yeah um i am really interested by this um kind of your view of of God and a lot of the theologies, but we'll just say your view of God, um, you know, 20 years ago versus your view of God now. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how you see how God sees you in the differences between now and when you were preaching, you know, eternal conscious torment? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Back back then, 20 years ago, I was just... um, just on fire uh, for evangelicalism. Um, evangelism was my big, um, my big forte. Um, both all the churches that I pastored increased in membership. I didn't have a whole lot to do with that, but um, it's just you know it's just kind of how I do things. And I, as I could, if I could go back now, I would tell some of those people, no, don't come to this church, please, um, for your own safety, don't come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back then, I, I used to you know, find things wrong with people in my congregations. And I would preach on those things. Um, people's feelings would get hurt, but they would say, Oh brother, thank you for stepping on our toes. We sure needed it. Um, and so I, you know, did that for a long time and counseled that way as well. You know, you're doing wrong. You need to stop and you start doing right. Here's why biblical, you know, the Bible says this Bible says that you're not living up to it and you need to. And that's why you're having problems. Um, because you're being disobedient to God and things like that. And I, w- I wish I could just go back and rewind all that and start over. Um, mm-hmm. A big do-over for 20 years would be a, a great gift for me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but today, uh, I haven't preached a sermon um, coming up on six years. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of miss that part of it. I'm going to be speaking at a conference in Nashville in March. I'm excited about that. Um mm-hmm. But I haven't really got up and, and done any real preaching or teaching uh, since I left the ministry. And so that I missed that part of it, um, the connecting with people that way and, and bringing messages that can help people and, and encourage people. And uh, so if I if I were doing it today, that's what I would be looking for is, how you know, how do I share the love of Jesus and what they're going through this week um, and what you know, what's going on in the world? And there's so many things. People are so mad. They're so angry. They're so sad. Um, really, you know, I've been around for a while, uh, really nothing has changed. The same issues that we deal with today, racism, the economy, government, all these things have been going on since I was a boy. Um, I was alive when Nixon resigned. I remember the Watergate and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's nothing new. It's just that we're social media now and everything's being filmed. Um, and s- mm-hmm. some of the stuff that's being filmed is just not true. A lot of stuff is being published just for clickbait and things like that. So we're just, we're overloaded with information. We don't know who to trust anymore. We don't know who to believe. We don't know who to listen to. 
uh, and it's just really hard on people. And so I would want to be um, a voice of reason in the midst of all that. Um, just somebody to say, hey, let's let's slow this down and take a look at it uh, and, and show you that you're really okay. That it's not as bad as you think it is. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully give words of comfort. That's what I would love to do now. And it sounds like that is a, a calling, so to speak, uh, on your life to go back to be able to do that through counseling. I certainly hope so. And maybe even get into teaching at some point. I would love to do that as well. Yeah. Well, you know what, uh, Todd, I, I listened to your talk at the uh, Nomad conference last year. I guess it was last. No, it was 2020, wasn't it? Um, yep. <clears throat> And uh, yeah, so you were the guy that listened. Awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me, me, and a few Thank other. You. Times, you know, there was. I know there was a bunch of people listening to. But you know, you said you haven't preached in six years. But man, that was a sermon, and it was a good one. It was about how much God loves us, and 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 um, it was, you know, is is what I needed to hear at the time that I was going mm-hmm. through a really painful season, mm-hmm. having left my church. And, um, yeah, so, so that was a sermon and it was, it was just what we needed to hear. So. I'm glad. I appreciate that. That was a, that was a Mm -hmm. tough one for me because I was at the time I was starting to take that stuff in for myself as well as Mm -hmm. sharing it with others. And I don't know if you caught it at the end, I got really emotional, um, choked up, Mm -hmm. you know, just talking about how God loves you all so much and you just have no idea how much God loves you. And, uh, there's never a moment in your life when God is not loving you, is not adoring you, uh, and wanting the best for you. And I think being a parent has helped me to, um, to really understand that part of God as a father. Cause my father growing up was not, not ideal, uh, very dysfunctional. Um, so if I, you know, when I thought of God as a father, that was very difficult because my father was not there. Um, so being a father really helped me to understand, you know, what a father does for his children, how a father loves his children, um, protects them, and only wants what's best for them. Um, I would I would give my last meal or, or whatever I'd give it to my children. If they needed a kidney, I would I would give them my kidney, no problem. If they needed a new heart, I would give them mine, no problem. Um, and that's just because you you want the very best for them. You want them to be be thriving and happy. And, I, mm-hmm. and that's what God wants for us. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to be happy. Uh, he doesn't want us to be angry at each other all the time. He doesn't want us to argue about eternal conscious torment or not. Um, it, it's just, it, it's just, there's so much love that needs to be shared in the world right now. And it, there's a song that came out in the seventies. I can't remember who sang it. I think it was Nicolette Larson's mm-hmm. going to take a lot of love to change the way things are. Um, and I really, I really believe that it's just going to take all of us learning how to love each other again, uh, by learning to love ourselves, learning to allow God to love us, uh, things like that. It's just, we've got, we've got some work cut out for us, but we can do it. You mentioned getting emotional at the end of that. Uh, can I call it a a message or a sermon, your presentation, I guess, um, at the conference, because you were still taking in all of everything that you were, uh, communicating about. Where are you now with uh, that that message for yourself? Still taking it in. Still taking mm-hmm. it in um, every day. You know, sometimes I feel like I have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, the, the world, things happen, life goes on, and uh, sometimes you get in a rut, and you, you know, and you just need a reminder, God loves you, and uh, I even went back and listened to it once, and I was like, wow, I can't believe I said that, uh, that was pretty good, mm-hmm. but yeah, we just, we need that, we need to stay, stay in it, we can't just take a, take a talk like that, and run with it, and say, that's going to get me through the rest of my life, it's, it's a daily struggle, we have to meditate, and pray, and uh, love each other and um, accept love from each other and accept love from God and then learn to love God as well. Uh, I think we're afraid to love God. Um, but I just forgot what I was going to say. I do that a lot. Um, yeah, we're. I think we're, we're afraid of God. We're afraid to love him. We're afraid to let him love us because, um, and this is where Thomas J. Ord's teachings have come in so handy in my life. It's like God doesn't work things out all the time. God doesn't heal everybody. God doesn't solve everybody's financial issues. God doesn't bless everyone with money. Some people just don't have it. And are we going to say that, you know, missionaries that are working overseas on practically nothing, God doesn't love them because they don't have a lot of money? Uh, and things like that. So we're, we're so confused about God and who he is and or she, um, you know, and, and what it's all about. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Bible speaks of God as father and mother. Um, so he could be either to us. I always say he because that's what I've done all my life. I don't think much of it. But, um, but yeah, God loves. And, and, of course, my mother, she passed away almost a year ago to the day tomorrow. And, you know, she was she was good. Um, she was a loving mother, and so that that helps. You know, when when you think of God in that capacity as a loving mother too, that's a big help in in allowing some of that to get in and allowing yourself to trust God a little bit. Because for the longest time, I didn't trust God. I thought I needed to take care of everything, um, because that's what I was supposed to do. I was Pastor Todd, and Pastor Todd has all the answers. Pastor Todd knows what to do. Um, in any situation, and I became, yeah, he went through a little period where I was a little arrogant. Um, at least that's about, that's what my wife tells me. But um, it was uh, it was just a really weird time for me. And then at at, at one point in my uh, early pastorate, my first marriage ended uh, very suddenly, um, thirteen years, and then nothing. Um, and it was just very, very hard to, because I, I begged God, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. You don't want this to happen. You hate divorce, remember? So I'm, you know, I'm telling God what He thinks, and uh, and it happened anyway. And it's just like, wow, I, I can't trust God to take care of my stuff anymore. Um, so I went through that for a while too. And then you know Thomas J. Ord's book, God Can't. I can't, I can't say enough about it. If you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to read it. It just it free it eased my mind on a lot of this stuff the, the things that god can't do and the reasons uh, behind that and it was just really helpful to me um i don't pretend to tell you about those i, I i'm not thomas but um I, I can tell you that they helped me tremendously and i recommend that book wholeheartedly well i just wanted to kind of steer us towards your your book todd um uh, the reconstructing of your mind um and in, in in the first, uh, I guess it's in the foreword or the preface or, or 
your introduction, essentially, you, you, you mentioned um, that you feel like you have completed the process of deconstruction. And I wanted to kind of get you to talk about that. First of all, you know, um, your process and not necessarily like the, the doctrines that you have deconstructed, but just your, your, how, how you experienced deconstruction mm -hmm. as a person. And, um, and then, and then, you know, talk about how, why, why you believe that it is now finished, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And can you define what you would say deconstruction is too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I did that uh, in the book. Um, there, as I see it, there are at least five types of deconstruction, and you could probably make you could make an argument that there's more. Um, but these are the five that I saw: religious deconstruction uh, for people who are weary of man-made religion and all the restrictions that it places on us. Uh, there's theological destruction, deconstruction. I'm sorry, uh, for those who have been immersed in theological doctrine and dogma for so long that it has re replaced simple and sincere childlike faith. And then there's biblical deconstruction for those who dare to question the inerrancy of scripture and its efficacy in modern culture. Um, and then church deconstruction for those who are tired of going to a building each week to worship God who needs no structure to contain him. And for those who have been hurt by the institution of church and the line is long for that one. Uh, and then faith deconstruction is just kind of uh, for people like me that just walked away from all of it. I, I walked away from, from God, religion, church, preaching, teaching, Bible, um, to be honest, I still have not returned to a church um, since that. I, I think my wife went. My wife and I went to an Easter service once, uh, and it was it was miserable. Um, basically, the message was, you know, you suck, and the reason that you suck is because of sin, and you suck so much that Jesus had to come down and die for you uh, because you suck. I mean, that was almost he didn't say the word, but that's pretty much what I got out of it. Um, you suck. Jesus had to die for you. And then he, you know, rose again. So, so you didn't have to suck anymore. So how was that process for you? Like, um, your, your experience of it? Well, everybody's is different. Uh, I've learned that along the way that, you know, deconstruction is not a formula that, that you can just say, Hey, do this and you'll deconstruct. It's just, you, you start with questions. Um, why do I believe in God? That was my first question. Why Why do I believe in God? Can't see him, can't hear him. He's, he doesn't seem to come through when, when you really need him to. Uh, and then sometimes he seems to. So it's like inconsistent and um, maybe it's something else that I should be believing in. Uh, and you start questioning things like that. And suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, I don't have anything to believe in anymore. I have uh, deconstructed, or I like the word evolved. I've begun to, begun to evolve in my faith. Uh, and leaving behind these old things that don't serve happiness or joy or, or life, um, just, you know, get them out of the way and reconstruct it with new perspectives, new ways of looking at things, uh, new thoughts, new ideas. And there's a lot of them out there. And I don't know, I think my book is like a drop in a great big bucket of great books about that. But um, I, I just kind of, Wanted to share a little, you know, a little bit of what, what I went through in my deconstruction and then be encouraging with the reconstruction part. There's like 10 whole chapters devoted to reconstructing this, reconstructing that. Um, and it's just important to me that people who read the book come away from it feeling a little bit better about themselves than they did before they picked it up. If, if we can accomplish that, then I'll be very happy. Um, 
to have written that book. That's what it's for, just for, for people to to read it and say, you know what, I'm not alone in this. Here's somebody else that questions everything they believe. And here's someone that's figured out it's okay. And now we're beginning to try to reconstruct and, and rebuild. And uh, I, I really don't like the words deconstruction or reconstruction anymore. I, I think I've just burnt out on it, to be honest. Um, but I really like spiritual evolution as a, as a term for that. Um, you, you know, we, people, you say evolution and people's, you know, people pucker up and say, oh no, don't tell it, don't say that. But it really, that's, that's what it amounts to. It's you're, you're evolving in, in your faith. You're evolving from what you once were, um, into something new and something different and hopefully something better than, than before. Mm-hmm. I think that people yeah. even pucker up when you say deconstruction, you know, cause Everybody has their own uh, kind of definition of, especially a lot of churches tell you that deconstruction is is bad and terrible and, and uh, you know, you're going to become an atheist. You're going to go to hell if you deconstruct. And so, um, yeah, I just, is there a word out there that doesn't make people pucker up? <laughs> yeah, really? I like evolution also because of the connotation that it, it, it's like a, a constant um, process that that happens, um, and, and it's you know as opposed to deconstruction being like this part of the the thing, and you do that, and then you finish, and then you start the reconstruction with which goes from there on. But evolution is like you know you may deconstruct and reconstruct on a constantly evolving and cyclical basis, like throughout your life. Yeah, absolutely. And deconstruction is not um, is not the end of it. Um, it's, it's really only the beginning. And if you're not careful, deconstruction can leave you very bitter. Um, I, when I talked about that church a minute ago, I I said, well, that sounded kind of sarcastic, but at the time, that's what I felt because I was in the middle of my deconstruction and I thought everybody else was wrong. and Todd was right. Uh, because that's not what Keith Giles Mm -hmm. says and, uh, this and that, but, um, but now, you know, now I've just kind of Rachel Held Evans books have really ministered to me in that regard as well. Um, her book, mm-hmm. Searching for Sunday, just kind of helped me appreciate the, the broken pieces of what we call church and, you know, how they can be put back together as a beautiful mosaic. And um, It's not the worst thing that ever happened to me growing up and all that. And it was just really nice to have some of that burden taken off. Um, one of the things that you deal with in deconstruction is shame um, because people shame you, of course. And then there's the, the mm-hmm. internal shame. What, you know, what if God is disappointed what if i'm disappointing god what if i'm letting my family down i'm i'm, I'm something's wrong with me uh, i've got a problem i am a problem uh, and so shame can play into that as well so you know reconstructing is is about um building on top of those things and and, and finding something better something that, that is more useful uh in your walk uh, your spiritual walk um help you to evolve from, you know, the evangelical uh, dainties, you know, baptism and going to hell and, and all the stuff that, that they just love to throw at us. And the, I think when I really cut ties was um, when John MacArthur was telling women to go home. I don't know if you guys remember that a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Yes. Um, yeah. I actually mailed in my credentials to the Southern Baptist Convention. I never heard from anybody, uh, but I did mail them back in. I said, I'm no longer going to need these because I'm no longer going to represent this organization, not even not even in my deconstruction. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, and on on the other hand, they're they're doing what they know to do, um, and and God doesn't hate them for that. I wish that they would evolve, like I did, uh, <laughs> or like y'all did. But you know, they're they're still doing what they think is right from their point of view. They're helping people. Um, from our point of view, it's traumatic and destructive, and hurtful, and shameful. And uh, you know, once. You know, just point of view is a very something I dealt with in the book as well. You know, one person sees it one way, one person sees it another way. Who's right? Well, both of them are because it's their point of view. Um, that's how, mm-hmm. that's what they know. The sum of who they are and what they know and what they've experienced. Uh, that's how they've developed their point of view or their cognition. And the, everybody has a different cognition. And so we need to. One of the things that has helped me is to just realize the fact that God does not expect conformity across the board. Be like this, or you'll. This will happen. Uh, don't be like this, and you'll get a reward. It's it's just not how it is. We are human beings created individually, uniquely, with our own imaginations, with our own uh, ideas, with our own passions, with our own experiences. And if I tell my story, and you guys each tell your story, now we've got a bigger and better story when we put our stories together. And, and everybody's a story. Everybody's a point of view. Uh, and, and getting to know each other is going to be, I think, is going to be the key going forward in, you know, dealing with uh, racial tension and you know, deconstruction tension or whatever is whatever's going on, government tension, whatever people are tense about or upset about. The economy is bad. Well, it's always been bad. I, I've never seen it good. But um <laughs> you know, once we just get to know what people are, you know, what they're, what they're dealing with, listen to each other and, and be there for each other, show up for each other uh, and allow space for them to come into your life and say, hey, I, I've got a problem with this. I'm really struggling in this area. Uh, and I've, I've counseled with people uh, over the years that you know, are dealing with things like pornography and I mean, addiction. Uh, I myself went through, you know, a little opioid addiction. Uh, about halfway through the ministry, um, broke my arm uh, doing professional wrestling. I was a professional wrestler for a little bit. Um, broke my arm and two bones and whatever, and I just got hooked on the pain, hooked on the pain pills. Being in the wrestling, you know, there's always somebody that knows a guy that knows a guy that can get some for you. Uh, I'm not pleased with that, but it's, it's I'm glad that part of my life is over. Um, but you know, but now it's 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 just a it's just a matter of understanding people. Um, Larry Crabb wrote an incredible book years ago called Understanding People. I've still got my copy of it and I had him sign it. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting him once. Um, and it, it's it's really apropos for today. It's appropriate for today. Uh, trying to understand where people are coming from, uh, understand their, there's a reason why they're the way they are. Um, for some, it could be abuse. For some, it could be neglect. Uh, for some, it could be uh, they just lost their job or they have trouble finding a new job. And uh, there's just so many things that people are going through, divorce and remarriage and blended families. And um, one of the, uh, I think one of the things that I'm observing now, and I may just be getting old, um, but you know, I'm seeing couples have children together but not marry. They, they raise them as partners, which I think is, is cool. Um, it does eliminate some of the <laughs> some of the uh, paperwork, but um, you know, it, it's just things are changing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. 
millennials are they're they're asking questions. They're 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 sick of it. And uh, I, I read a statistic from Barna. Um, I can't remember when I read it, but it was something to the effect of over five hundred thousand people have left the Southern Baptist Church over a ten year period. And a lot of those are millennials, and they just feel like this is not this is not helping me. This is bullshit. And yeah. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm, I, this, this doesn't help me at all. This doesn't help me in my life. It's not helping me do my mm-hmm. homework. It's not helping me in my relationships. Um, so they're moving mm-hmm. on. And so I, I, I think that as you know, people who have deconstructed and evolved, you know, I think we have a, a not necessarily a duty, but um, you know, maybe a moral obligation to share what we know and write books and do podcasts and, and give, just give people this information so that they can see, you know, that I'm not the only ones that are, are struggling with this faith thing. And, you know, here's a guy, uh, you know, Christopher and, and Maggie who have gone through this and they, you know, they've got this wonderful podcast and, you know, have people like Ashley Robbins on there. She's such a beautiful young lady. Um, I hope I get to meet yeah. her someday in person. She's just a wonderful, <laughs> special young lady. Her story is, is amazing to me. And um, her outlook on life is a lot different than mine but it's hers and mine is mine. And I just, I think, I think we just need to be okay with that, um, that we're not all going to agree. And I think that's, I'm, I'm preaching here. I'm sorry. You can stop me anytime. <laughs> One of the things I that this. I believe <laughs> I, it's, it's agreeing has agreeing with each other has gotten out of control. If you don't agree with me and I don't agree with you, then we've got a problem. We go to war over things like that. Um, and so we just need to stop worrying about what we agree with and start focusing on who we are, what we know, what we believe, what we think, what helps us, what helps us get through the day, what helps us as far as our relationship to God, what, what tools help. And I, in my first book, I, I gave a lot of things that I had experienced like yoga and just uh, breathing exercises and some things that I learned in therapy. Uh, and, and some people looked at that stuff and they said, like, you, you can't add that stuff into Christianity, that's syncretism, you know, adding other religions and things into the, and it's like, no, that's, that's not what it is. It, these things are actually helping me get closer to my God. And, and I share this hoping that maybe you'll find something that could help you as well. If it's not some of my things and maybe you'll find your own thing, but something's got to happen. We've got to just stop saying you got to agree with me and you, you can't disagree. And, and we just, we got to quit doing that. We, we need each other. We humans need each other now, I think, more than we ever have. Um, we need to love each other and, and care for each other and be there for each other. And that's what Jesus did. He just took care of people. He healed. He ministered. He talked to them. He put his hands on them, put his hands on lepers, which is, you know, if you if you get literal with that, it's really disgusting to think about. Um, but he, he didn't mind. He put his hands on lepers and healed them. Um, gave sight to the blind and, and just did things that, uh, that I, I, it's just so amazing. And, and if we could just get that mentality, if we could start doing what Jesus did um, and learning about Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. So we need to learn what does that mean and, and things like that. I think we can do better. And I, I believe we will do better. I may not live to see it, but I think, I think it's going to get better. I really do. Yeah. I think something that you brought up is, the most important thing that we can do in relationships is to, to dialogue and to be curious about each other, to understand, you know, where everybody's coming from. Um, a pastor in Atlanta said several times I've heard him say on stage, 
that, you know, once you hear somebody's story, it's hard to disagree with where they are, you know, and, but you have to take the time to hear somebody's story. And, um, I think, I feel like I brag on my best friend all the time on this podcast, but she and I, when we first met, it took us a few years to figure this out about each other, but we, we disagreed on everything except for Jesus. And, uh, uh, like literally everything. And now I'd say we probably disagree about like 75% of things. Um, <laughs> but we just dialogue and have conversations and, and we've actually discovered, God forbid that we want the exact same things. We just disagree on, or we see two different avenues to get to the same thing, which is people being really nice freaking people. <laughs> That's what <Yeah>. we want. <laughs> for everyone and ourselves, but how we get there, we, uh, like there's, there's good in, in both ways that you could do that, but you could get to that goal. And, but that's, that has taken, that just took a, a dialogue to have. <laughs> and, yeah. but that's, that is hard work to be curious, to listen, not to, uh, you know, have a, not to wait for your turn to share your opinion or, to like, you know, catch them in like a gotcha. Now I'm going to tell you the right thing to do, you know, but just to, to listen with compassion and empathy and, and then just choose to be love. That's really hard work, but it's what's needed. And that's what we're doing here. We're just talking. Um, I'm not going to solve any world problems here today, (laughs) but uh, just, just being able to sit down and talk with you guys has just been such a blessing to me, just Mm -hmm. such a joy Mm -hmm. to, um, where you're coming from and, and, and you allowing me to share. And then I just appreciate that. Uh, Todd, can, can somebody be Christ-like, you know, doing, doing the kind of things that Jesus did and being that kind of a person and not formally or officially call themselves a Christian? I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've stopped using the word Christian uh, to describe myself. I'm a, a Jesus follower or my friend Jana Green uh, says she's a Jesus freak, <laughs> but uh, I, I like Jesus follower better because essentially that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to follow Jesus, uh, follow his example, mm-hmm. his teachings. Um, you've seen you've seen him, you've seen the Father. So if you want to look at how God is, look at the life of Jesus. How did you know? How did he treat people? And that's how God treats people. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to get across in the story from uh, Nomad was uh, just the, the prodigal son story is one of my favorites. Uh, and I, every time I read it, I find something new that I didn't see the last hundred you know, times that I read it. But um, just trying to you know, introduce the fact that, that there's so much love involved with knowing God. He is love. There's never anything about God that's not love it, it's never going to happen he he won't become wrath because he is love he is love now he always will be that's not going to change and we like to throw our you know ideas of who god is and who god should be and don't even get me started on the white nationalist you know with the guns and the bibles and all of that nonsense mm-hmm. um yeah. But, you know, again, they're doing what they know is right. They're, they're doing what they believe from their point of view. And I, I, I respect that. I don't agree with it at all. Um, and I, uh, sometimes I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah, pray for me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. But um, 
you know, just, yeah, God is love. And, uh, and if, if we look at Jesus, we just see love coming from him. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Bible, the New Testament uses the word compassion a lot as it pertains to Jesus. And you may know this already, but it's, a, it's actually the, in the Greek, it's a medical term uh, that refers mm-hmm. to your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Jesus is having compassion, you know, they're actually describing it as a, as a guttural, uh, mm-hmm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, internal something that's happening in, in his, in his mm-hmm. gut. Um, you know, he's, he saw people as sheep without a shepherd and he wept. Um, mm-hmm. That says a lot about the man right there. If you, if you stop and ponder that, um, you know, Jesus just wants us to be okay. And you know, he went through what he went through because we're okay. And we're always going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you get mad because somebody that you don't like or don't agree with isn't going to hell, and that's something that you really need to visit in yourself and, and deal with that yourself before you deal with anybody else, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and I still have things like that, that I have to, you know, Todd, you can't feel this way because it's not productive. It's not helping you grow in your faith. It's not changing anything. It's just you being a little mad because somebody doesn't agree with what you said. Um, Facebook comments are the worst. Um, I've had to just stop <laughs> reading them altogether I, I, because I just wasted so much time communicating through comments with people that no matter what you say, they're not going to, they're not going to come yeah. around to your way of thinking and they're going to insult right. you. And they're, because they're sitting behind their screen, they you can't get to them. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I'd stop reading the comments and just, you know, try to focus on making my page a safe place and we're, mm-hmm. you know, put post encouraging things. And I don't post nearly as much as I used to. And um, I, I, in fact, I try to stay off of it as much as I can, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Focus on living my life <laughs> outside of social media. Mm-hmm. But Facebook is very helpful if, you know, if I get inspired by something and I want to share it with everybody, mm-hmm. uh, I'll do that. And if I need to promote my book or something like that or promote the, the conference coming up in March, uh, I can use my Facebook page to do that. I, I promote other people's podcasts i'll definitely be promoting this one and um thank you you just try to use it for good so use it for good yeah yeah i feel like more people could take a cue from that (laughs) to you know use their influence and their leverage for good um but i'm so struck by how you know there's you've you talk about your understanding that god is love and and I feel like if if there's anything that people take away from from church, it's oh, you know, God is love. Uh, I know that's not all churches, but I feel like that's definitely true of of my former church. And but I think that people just really there's just something about the idea of a, of this wrathful God. You know, you said that God is love. God is never going to be wrath, but people seem to gravitate that it's like they want that they want the anger and the this hatred and what do you think that is within people that that want that over love that's a hard one um my thought and anybody can jump in and disagree but my thought is just retribution there has to be some kind of retribution uh even you know plato uh taught that you know there's a a reward for ultimate good there's a another reward for evil um, hmm. there, you know, it's like, if you think about it, 
like that philosophically it's like there has to be some kind of a punishment for not living right and then you got to go back and say well what does it mean to live right and so, and so on and so forth but that i think most people are kind of stuck in that and um brian mclaren did a really nice job in his book a new kind of christianity and pointing out how fallacious that is um and how it applies to every ministry you've got a problem here's the solution to your problem believe in this accept it and you won't have any more problem uh, if you don't accept it there'll be you know a reward for that as well um, and it, it's a it's a pattern it's a formula and that's why I, I wrote in my book that um, evangelism has outlived its usefulness um, because I, I believe it has I believe that if people are not impressed with our ability to go to their door knock on their door and them an outline of how to become saved a roman road or whatever you do um it's just sales pitch we're selling mm -hmm. jesus and you need him and we want you to take him today and if you don't take him today you know we'll worry about the fact that you might burn in hell one day we don't want that to happen so we want you to accept jesus right now right here today what do you say uh and then we applaud ourselves for winning people to christ winning souls and all of that has got to be scrapped and and yes we need to look at evangelism as, as something else uh, just showing the love of Christ, period, through good deeds, through helping people, giving people rides, uh, giving homeless people a place to stay, uh, giving you know, food to the hungry, you know, volunteering at, at local places like that. Just giving, you know, giving of yourself to others is, is the way to evangelize, I believe. I, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But I just think if we would all do more of that, pointing fingers back at myself, too, if we would do more <laughs> of that, um, we, we would understand what it means to be like Jesus, because that's pretty much what he did was served others. Um, yep. He came in uh, to where his disciples were and nobody got up to wash his feet, which was an insult, just something that you did not do in that culture. Uh, and what does he do? He doesn't say, hey, you got to wash my feet, people. Come on, let's do this. Uh, he, he got down and he washed everybody's feet. I, I, I do see the value in that to, to lower yourself mm -hmm. To somebody like that and to do something so um so meaningful um and, and i just think todd needs to do more of that i think it would it would help me a lot if i did more of that one of my favorite quotes is um you hear i've heard several iterations of it but basically it says preach the gospel at all times and use words only when necessary exactly. so that right there is exactly what you're saying that if we show people a, a goodness and a love, then that is going to be Jesus in the world. And if you never once have to say, well, I'm doing this because, you know, because I'm a Jesus follower, then like, then that's, that doesn't matter. That's okay. You're doing it, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what it looks like to, uh, to love people the way that Jesus loved people and loves people. So um, Todd, do you think reconstruction is a necessary uh, thing for people to, to do after deconstruction or as part of kind of that cycle of evolution? Is it, is it necessary? I, I think so. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if, if you just go through deconstruction and you start taking away all the things that you used to believe and then you spend time around people that still believe those things, uh, you think they're wrong, you disagree with them, and sooner or later you're going to become the same person that you were before you started deconstructing. So I think reconstruction is necessary to kind of put that 
part of yourself behind and focus on acquiring better beliefs, asking better questions, finding better information, uh, and, and sharing that information with others as, as you get a chance, uh, if, if it will help somebody. But um, I, I think it's absolutely necessary. If, if, you, if you just get stuck in deconstruction, uh, it, you can become bitter. Uh, and that's how I found myself there for a little while. And I didn't like that because that's how I was before. And I thought this was going to be different. But, you know, reconstruction's got to happen at least a little bit. And it's, a, and it's, not a, it's not a process where you deconstruct, you reconstruct, you're done. It's ongoing. Every single day I have to deconstruct something and reconstruct. And it's just, a, it's a, it's a, boy, it's a lifestyle. That's, a, you know, really, if you think about it. Um, but it's just asking, asking questions. Why do, why do you believe that? Um, why do you think that way? How did you come to this conclusion? And then learn something from them. Uh, and, and maybe they'll give you a chance to talk as well. Would you say that um, that reconstruction might even look like choosing Hinduism or uh, might be choosing atheism? Like that any set of beliefs, wherever you end up, to probably deconstruct and reconstruct over and over and over again, but wherever you end up is just part of the journey. And that is still considered reconstruction. Absolutely. I, I, I totally think that, um, I almost became a Hindu myself. So, um, but it, you know, then, and that's where I wanted to express, you know, express myself and express my faith, but they sent me back to Christianity. Um, so I'm doing that here now, but, um, yeah, I think I, I think it just depends on the person, uh, depends on where they're at. And somebody, yeah, you might become an atheist for a while, uh, maybe for a long time. But the good news is, you're not going to hell for that. You're allowed to be an atheist if you want to be an atheist. God allows that. He's not offended by that. He's not uh, put off by that. He's not jealous and angry and uh, wrathful, and he's going to send lightning strikes down to anybody who dares to be an atheist and uh, or an agnostic or uh, study, you know, Eastern religions, which I, I have in the past, and I think they're really fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I think it was Matthew Fox who described world all the different world religions as kind of like different wells that all tap mm -hmm. into the same aquifer you know, or the same groundwater that is god and mm -hmm. um christianity is one well and it's the well that we grew up with and mm -hmm. that we speak the language we know the customs mm -hmm. we know all the stories and imagery and so you know it does make sense to stay in that um in that culture in that well so to speak mm -hmm. tapping into the divine through christianity because there would be a whole lot of work to jump to another well and have to learn all their customs and language and all that stuff. Yeah. Just think of the sheer number of different religions that there are um, mm -hmm. thousands now. And it's just because people want to practice their faith the way they want to practice their faith. Uh, and, and it's not up. It's not for us to say, Oh, that's wrong. You're going to burn for that. Um, we just can't do that. We've got to respect one another. And I, I'm probably going to go to hell for saying that, but uh, we need to respect each other's <laughs> beliefs allow space you know for them to say hey i'm an atheist i've got a relative who's an atheist and we have conversations like that all the time mm -hmm. and i don't get offended um by the things mm -hmm. that he says that's that's who he is that's what he believes and that's fine with me mm -hmm. and if he keeps asking questions and keeps 
looking for, you know, new answers and things. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll find his way back to Jesus. Maybe he'll rediscover Jesus. Who knows? Um, but we don't have to worry about the penalty for missing the mark. Um, because mm-hmm. there's no penalty. There's no hell. There's no torment. There's no substitution. We're good. And that, that right there is good news. Todd, um, as we wrap up, is there anything specific that you want our listeners to know about your, your latest book that, um, that we haven't talked about tonight? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of a hodgepodge of things that I experienced. Uh, I tell a couple of stories that, you know, were kind of dramatic for me, um, and share how, how I went through that process that and, and how, you know, it's things like that just to kind of, it, it, it's, uh, a lot of it is just, uh, opening myself up and saying, Hey, this is, this is what happened to me. Uh, and hopefully somebody can agree with mm-hmm. it. I've, I've been accused of being very, um, uh, transparent, a little, maybe a little too transparent for some people's comfort, but that's just who I am. I just, I, I don't have anything to hide. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I've had problems. I had a drug addiction. I'm not perfect. Um, but I'm okay now. I'm doing fine, doing better now than I have in, in years. And I, I just want to keep mm-hmm. this going. And that, that's great. You know, the, the stories of your own life are what really draw people in, um, even though, you know, everyone has different experiences and different stories. I, I'm, I know that there, there are stories. I mean, there were stories in there that I resonated with, and there are mm-hmm. stories that all of, our, all of your readers are going to resonate with as well. Mm-hmm. Todd, we like to end all of our podcasts by asking our guests the same question, and that is, who or what is God to you now? That's a good one. Um, God to me is expressed through Jesus and the way he lived his life. Um, and God is, is to me is just love. It's a feeling of knowing that I am loved no matter where I go, no matter what I do, uh, and that everybody else is too. Um, but you know, just the, the reality that God is not against me, that he does not hate me, that he's not mad at me. Those things are very liberating. And I think most people to mm-hmm. God, you know, to them, God is you know, the, the mean stepfather who's angry, looking for something to you know punish them for, and that's just not correct. That's just not who God is. He's He's pure love, and and to experience that love and then express it through the, you know doing things the way Jesus did them, allowing Him to express Himself through you, is uh, is a beautiful thing to me. Great, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This was so great, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a r- real pleasure. Uh, but and also, um, if you're in Nashville, uh, March 18th and 19th, uh, I will be there at the Awaken 2022 conference uh, with Keith Giles, Jim Palmer, uh, December Rose, uh, Derek Webb, and um, and others, uh, Brandon Dragon, and there's, mm-hmm. I think I got everybody. But yeah, we're all, they're going to be there. Michelle Collins, that's who I forgot. Sorry, Michelle. I love that. Yeah, we'll um, yeah, we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much. 